This is your host, Victoria, and in today's episode, we are continuing the series on long-lasting relationships with three more lessons of what it takes in order to have a long-lasting relationship. As usual, I would love to know where in the world you are, what you're up to, what everything around you looks like as you listen to this episode. Maybe you're commuting somewhere, out for a walk somewhere, cooking something, whatever it is that you're doing, take a quick picture of where you're at, send it over to me or tag me over on Instagram. I love feeling like I'm right there beside you. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Victoria Sardane Podcast, where you'll discover actionable tools, tips, and tricks, as well as inspiring conversations to support you to change your own reality. We all have immense personal power within us. We all have the ability to be the person we look up to the most and take charge of our lives and our future. Sometimes we just need a little insight, a little change of perspective, and a friendly nudge to take the step. Are you ready? everybody. Today we are back with another episode and we are continuing the series on long-lasting relationships. So last week I kicked off this series by sharing three lessons that I had learned either through personal experience, either from other people on the topic. Today I'm going to be sharing three more lessons. So if you have not yet listened to last week's episode with the first three lessons, I'll be tagging that in the show notes below. And we're going to continue today with three more lessons, so let's get straight into it. The first lesson is that in order to have a long-lasting, healthy relationship, we need to have common projects and separate interests. So, initially I was going to add, as this first point, specifically separate interests. And the reason I wanted to add that is because it's something that I've learned a lot throughout my relationship. We actually started long distance. We did long distance for about two years. And because of that, we have still this tendency to want to do absolutely everything together. And it comes from a positive place because we like to hang out and also probably comes from the part of us that has this kind of feeling, well, we need to quote-unquote, make the most of every moment we have together because it might not last forever, you might go away for some reason. Basically, this fear that we're going to be apart again because we were apart for so long. So I was simply going to add this element of separate interest because it's something that we've actually spoken about and had to really kind of concretely try to implement. But I also wanted to add in the element of common projects, because although that's something that we don't necessarily have to work on, I think that the combination between the two is super important. And we don't want to be necessarily doing everything together. We don't want to be doing everything apart either. So what I mean by this first lesson is when we speak about common projects, it's common projects for the future. So having plans having things that you want to build, that you want to work on together, specifically something that is in the future. So yes, we might have moments that we're enjoying together now and we want to be present, but the element of actually having projects in the future and a project can take any form. It can be, okay, we're going to buy a house, but it can also be, let's plan a trip or let's plan a weekend or let's book concert tickets or whatever it might be. If there's a project which is in the future that we're doing together, it really can create a stronger bond. And 
lately, as I've been doing research for next week's podcast episode, I've been speaking to a lot of you about this topic and learning from so many of you who've been in 20, 30, 40 year relationships. And this element of actually having projects that you're building towards the future together has come up quite a lot. So it really reaffirmed that that lesson that I wanted to share with you today. So this element of having common projects for the future. So this might be something you want to ask yourself is really, are you planning something for the future together? Do you have things that you're looking forward to together that really gives you this feeling of we're holding hands in life and we're moving forward and there are things that we're excited about and it gives us this energy and this vitality and this excitement towards the future. And we feel like we are building our lives together because we have these common projects. But on the opposite scale, I think it's just as important to have separate interests and to actually have separate activities that we're not always doing together. So as I said at the beginning, my boyfriend and I probably have a tendency to do too much together. And the danger with that is that we're different people. And I'm assuming this is true for anybody who's in a relationship. There's definitely certain things that you really enjoy that the other person doesn't or that the other person enjoys that you're not too keen on. And the danger is if you are committed to doing absolutely everything together, then there's a big dangerous potential of actually having resentment towards the other person. Feeling like there's tons of things that you would like to do, but the other person doesn't. So for example, things like, well, I can never go camping because he doesn't like to go camping, so we never go camping, right? And it's really thinking, well, maybe you should find other camping friends and realizing that the other person doesn't have to be your everything. So they can be your everything, but they don't have to be your everything. So they don't have to actually satisfy every single element of you. So the side of you that really likes camping, maybe you have friends with which you do that. We can't necessarily expect our significant other to satisfy every single element of us and enjoy doing exactly the same things as us. And it's actually important to have this element of separate interests as well because it reaffirms us as individuals. And we can come together when there are things that we enjoy to do together. And it doesn't mean that we're not making an effort to show interest into their particular hobbies, but it maybe means that they have other people as well that they would rather do those things with that understand it better, that appreciate it more. And I think there's this huge element of actually being in a healthy relationship where you spend some time apart doing other things and then when you come back together, you remember that you're a team, but you're not the same person. And those things are very, very different. So that would be the first lesson is having common projects specifically for the future, specifically things that you're working on or excited about, but having separate interests. The next lesson, and this is something that I've been digging deep into so much over the past years, and it's something that I've been learning even more about probably over the past year, and something that I've actually been digging probably even deeper into over the past few months, and this is everything around masculine versus feminine. So I have specific podcast episodes about masculine and feminine energy, which I will link in the show notes below. So if you have no idea what I mean by that, I really recommend that you have a bit of a listen. Just as a bit of a brief, everything that's masculine energy tends to be incredibly directive, tends to be very focused, very straight line, very disciplined, very strong. 
and everything that's feminine energy tends to be a little bit more creative, intuitive, all about connection and compassion. And so these are really these two energies that we all have within us. However, I think what's been incredibly, incredibly important for me to realize is that even if me, for example, being a woman having a stronger masculine energy, which I do have, there is still a huge biological component. And what I mean by that is that as women, we have this biological innate system in our brain which will lead us to seek partners that have a stronger masculine energy. And this might not be a very popular narrative these days, and it might sound a little bit old school, but the reality is that our brains have evolved over hundreds and thousands of years to ensure the procreation of our species, and a few hundred years of changes within our society and a big feminist movement hasn't actually changed the biology of our brain. And as women, we are still seeking men that will provide us with a feeling of safety. And that is simply biologically wired in our brain if we think about the fact that as a woman, our biology is put together in order to make us pregnant and to have children. And being in a state of pregnancy is an incredibly vulnerable place physically. And having a baby, having an infant is also a vulnerable place. And that infant is incredibly, incredibly dependent on the mother for the first few years of their life. And because of that, it makes sense that we would be biologically wired to seek a partner who will be able to provide for us during a time in which we need it. So whether you are planning on having children or not, or whether you've decided to or not, it doesn't actually matter. There is this biological wiring where we are seeking a feeling of safety when it comes to our companionship. And so I think it's incredibly important for us to know that about ourselves as women, that we are always seeking that safety. And this has been proven cross-culturally in many psychological studies that women are seeking this safety. And it's as true in humans as it is in all animals. So this is really cross-species, cross-cultural. That is what we're seeking. And so if you're in a relationship where you don't feel like you're being taken care of enough and you don't know why it's bothering you so much, then this might explain it and it might allow you to actually be able to have a conversation with your partner about it or to maybe at least have an introspection with yourself and ask yourself the question, are you feeling safe? Are you feeling taken care of? On the flip side with men, men are biologically wired to provide. They're biologically wired to take care. And so this is where I see a bit of this big tension, especially with women who have strong masculine energy, and I'm speaking for myself because I'm completely in this camp, that we might struggle to actually let a man step into his providing sphere into his providing energy something that he is biologically wired to want to do and so this is something that we might need to remind ourselves as women as well that we need to give them the space and the ability in order to do that because that's what they're seeking and they might not even be conscious of it but that's how they're wired they're wired to want to provide and to want to take care and if we are stepping too much into our masculine energy as women and we're not allowing them to take that space, then that is again going to bring up a lot of conflict and a lot of resistance. 
and we're not fully going to understand what the issue is because there's this whole biological element that we're just not taking into consideration and that we're not really accepting or facing. There's a big narrative in our culture these days that everything is based around society and society has socialized us to expect X, Y, Z from men and women, but there's a huge biological component that we're forgetting to look at and to really take into consideration here. So that's been a huge learning for me. As I said, I'm a woman with a strong masculine energy, meaning that I'm always going to have this internal conflict. So biologically, as a woman, I'm seeking this safety and this comfort. At the same time, my masculine energy would be better matched with another person who has more of a feminine energy because that's how duality works and we're looking for the opposite that's going to complement where we're at. So I think that for anybody who's listening here and who is a woman who has a strong masculine energy, you might be able to relate to this. And I think it's really important to know that about yourself and to know that there are elements of you where yes, you'll have this masculine energy and you might need somebody who's going to provide that opposite force and be the yin to your yang. At the same time, we need to be aware of that biological element where sometimes we actually need to really practice stepping into our feminine, allowing the other person to provide for us, to take care of us, and really allow ourselves to sink into feeling safe. So once again, that might not be a very popular belief. It might not be a narrative that resonates with you. You might not agree with it entirely, but I really recommend you to at least consider it with open eyes with an open heart, with an open mind, and just let that sink in a little bit. Maybe have a little bit of a thought about it. I'm actually currently reading a book called The Queen's Code, which talks a lot about the differences between men and women and really speaks about it from a biological standpoint. And I've also listened to a lot of lectures on the biological differences between men and women from an evolutionary standpoint. And I think that when we can learn as much as we can about these topics, then it becomes something that we're able to welcome with a little bit less resistance. And our beliefs and our ideologies are less likely to stand in the way because we can see things from many different angles. So I will put the link for that book, The Queen's Code, in the show notes below if you want to have a read. I think it's really interesting and it might really be able to open your eyes on this kind of topic. The third lesson that I wanted to share is something that I'd heard a while back. It's something that I've been speaking about with a lot of my clients and I love this lesson. It's something that I've really tried to take into consideration in my own life as well. And that lesson is that you are not allowed to be resentful about the things you have previously agreed to. So I'll repeat that again. You are not allowed to be resentful about the things you have previously agreed to. So when we agree to something, when we say yes, we are not then allowed a year later to pull it back out and shove it in our partner's face and be resentful about it because we had previously agreed. And this is something that is so dangerous for relationships because it breaks trust, because it makes us wary of the other person, because it makes us feel attacked, and it does not want to make us be vulnerable with the other person. It makes us shut down and it makes us grow distant. So specifically when we are pulling back old stories, old things that we had previously said yes to or we didn't acknowledge that had bothered us and we pull it back out years later or months later, it's really dangerous. 
So I'm sure that you can already think of maybe a few examples where you have done this or somebody around you has done this or you've heard a story of somebody doing this where in an argument someone will pull out something along the lines of yeah, well, I do everything for you and you're not even grateful. I've been going to your choir shows for the past five years every Christmas even though I hate it. And someone is then bringing something out that the other person had no idea that they were resentful about or they were upset about and they almost pull it out, shove it in their face and it's incredibly, incredibly unfair and that is incredibly toxic to relationships. And I think that it's something that we can all really remember, whether it's in romantic relationships, but it can be in any kind of relationship. Do not say yes to something you do not want to do unless you are willing to take the responsibility for it. So if we say yes and we decide to go watch the choir show or we decide to spend the summer holidays with the in-laws or we decide to move apartments or change jobs or I don't know what, we're not allowed to make a decision that we don't want to do if we are then going to be resentful about it and pull it back in their face. So the second we say yes and we agree to do something, we are taking full responsibility that we have said yes. We are not the victim. We have taken it on our shoulders and it is for us to bear the consequences. I actually noticed this within myself. I think it was maybe a year or two ago when I found myself feeling incredibly bitter and upset that I had spent my day cooking. And it came out in a conversation where I was saying, well, yeah, I mean, all I did today is cook and prepare meals for us too and everything and realized that I had chosen to do that. He had never asked me to cook for him. It was something that I had decided to do and if I've decided to do it, I'm not allowed to be bitter about it. I'm not allowed to be resentful about it. And I'm definitely not allowed to put myself in a position of victim as though the other person had enforced something on me when they had never even asked me to do it. So that to me has been a huge lesson. I hope it's something that speaks to you. I hope it's something that you'll be able to take on board and think about a little bit. There might be a question there for you to ask yourself if you've ever been in that position or what's something recently that you've said yes to, that you've agreed to, but you're feeling a little bit bitter about it in the background, can you deal with it yourself internally before it comes bursting out in a conversation? And as I said, have those very dangerous repercussions of breaking trust. That is all for today's episode, those three lessons. I will quickly go back over them. The first one is having common projects with separate interests. The second one is everything around the masculine and the feminine, both in terms of energy and also in terms of biology. And the third one is not allowing ourselves to be resentful about things that we have previously agreed to. I would love to hear your thoughts. I would love to have your feedback. I would love to hear which of these three lessons have spoken to you the most. So feel free to send me a message. When it comes to relationships and building healthy relationships, one of the keys is also getting to know ourself. And this is something that we do in depth in the Self Mastery Solution Program. It is my 12 week group coaching program where we go incredibly deep into who you are, why you do the things that you do in order to stop getting in your own way, stop self-sabotaging, stop unleashing in anger and frustration and resentment and feeling at peace with yourself. It is so important to have that sense of inner peace in order to have healthy relationships. We also have an entire week in the program 
based around relationships where we talk about different kinds of communication style. We speak about certain principles for healthy relationships, how to approach them, how to build them. And that is all within that 12-week group coaching program. There will be the link in the show notes below. Feel free to reach out if you have any questions. We begin on the 26th of September. So relatively soon, it's a small hand-picked cohort. I can't wait to begin with you guys. And in the meantime, I will see you next week for a brand new episode.